Well, let's just get right into this. Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation chapter 11? And we've come to verse 15 and we will complete the uh, chapter tonight. So we just saw how the third and final woe is coming. The first woe was the release in, involved, the release of a demonic horde, as did the second. And now this is the third and the most terrible one that takes us from this part of chapter 11 all the way through chapter 19 uh, to chapter 20. And let's just look at it uh, together here. And the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. This is the last of the seven trumpets. The seventh seal opened and there were seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet is sounded and there we will see in the course of time, there were seven bowls of wrath included. So this seventh trumpet is the, is the final destruction of earth and the earth dwellers uh, and, and the uh, judgment of God on the earth at this point in time, which is a prelude to the establishment of the kingdom. Now you understand there's a great white throne judgment that is a thousand years later. But this is planet Earth to finally take control and to wrest control from Satan. So he sounds his trumpet. There were great voices in heaven. I can identify based on the voices we've already witnessed, I can pretty much identify, but this is pretty much all of heaven crying out. This would include uh, angels. It would include the church, those saints who are resurrected. It would include those Old Testament saints and tribulation saints who are about to be resurrected um, so it in, it in all of these voices, you can imagine the great assembly in heaven because this is where this is where we've been headed since the fall of man. This this is it. This is the great the great um, unlocking or whatever. It's it's the great appearance of the kingdom, but not until the final wrath of God falls upon planet earth and the earth dwellers who will not repent. All right, so the great voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world. I have that underlined and I have it in bold font because it is in, it is in the singular. Has become, that's what's called, a, I think it's called a perplectic, Aorist tense. In other words, 
John writes this in the 90s AD and he's way in the, he's way back there looking into the future, but it's like it already happened. And we see this same aorist tense used more than once. It, it sort of solidifies how John is just right there in the action. It is a singular, the kingdom of the world. Now there have been more from historical, from a human historical perspective, there have been many kingdoms. But really, there's only been one kingdom over the world. Matter of fact, it, uh, I think it's in Acts chapter 4, I'd have to look back, but uh, the apostles preached about the kingdom and, and the kingdom of Satan. Christ talked about how could his kingdom stand if he was divided against himself. So from a biblical worldview, there's really only one kingdom. There's really only been one kingdom since the fall of man, and it has been lorded over by Satan. Sooner or later, in the course of the life of a kingdom or, or a, a power, a national power, whatever, in the life of that entity, in the life of that uh, kingdom, it will gradually continue to collapse more and more until at the end of it there's unchecked sin and then judgment. Uh, the example of that would be the northern kingdom of Israel in the Old Testament or the southern kingdom of Judah. They had a better shot at it than anybody to succeed, especially the southern kingdom of Judah, to succeed as a theocracy. They had everything going for them. Nations and kingdoms before and since didn't have the privileges that the southern kingdom had. And yet still, though, the, though a son of David was seated on the throne, they had the prophets, they had the temple in Jerusalem, they had the priesthood, the high priest, yet still it all collapsed in sin, including the king, son of David, back in those days, including the priesthood. Ezekiel is very graphic about des describing how sinful the priesthood uh, had become, including civil authorities. It just, they just turned completely against God so that uh, they, they totally rebel against and reject God, reject the word of God, the things of God, and the prophets that God sent to them. Well, you know, if, those, if that kingdom failed, then every other kingdom will fail. And that's how powerful Satan has been in the work that he's done in his kingdom of the world. So it's been that way. It's been that way all the while. We don't have a lot of information about the pre-flood world, but what we have uh, seems to tell us that uh, there were warlords and... Uh, it seems to tell us that because of their thuggery or meanness, uh, they, would, uh, they would build some sort of uh, force or army 
And then they would impose their will on other people and they were always evil. And the, the one that uh, personifies that is in the early post-flood world, the person of Nimrod, who, who led the people to rebel against God and defy God at the Tower of Babel. Well, then when the Tower of Babel occurred and God judged everybody, you have right after that the division of nations and you have the table of nations. And if you study the history of those nations, they were godless. They were pagan. You know, they just they just collapsed into terrible, terrible sin and darkness. And they eventually failed along the way. And another kingdom would come along and another and another. But they were all really of the kingdom of the world under the domination of the God of this world, Satan. All right, we have suffered this since the fall of man. The elect of God have faced persecution, emotional distress, spiritual longing, looking at the world, knowing that the world is opposing the word of God standing against the will of God, despising the word of God, and denying the very God of heaven, the creator. It's happened all the way through human history. So there's been illness and sickness and death and nastiness and wars and wars and wars and death and terrible people rising up as despots over the rest of the people. And the people become subjugated because earthly leaders emanated the the will of Satan, who you may recall in Isaiah, when Isaiah tells us, but he said, I will be like the most high. He was going to arrogate himself up to the position of the almighty God. Of course, it didn't work out well for him. But this thing has been going on all this time. Now we're at here at the very close of it. This is the consummation of all of the evil and horrors of human governance Ever since there's been human history, we're at the end of it. Evil has reached its pinnacle. Everything has moved according to the purpose of God. And now it's time for the Christ of God, the rightful king, the ruler of the universe to take it back. So hear all of these voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become that of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign to the ages of the ages. Just makes you want to sing the hallelujah chorus again. The kingdom of this world. Okay, enough of that. He will reign. To, in other words, he will eternally reign from then on. It's over. We're about to see the introduction of the seven bowls of wrath. Those things will come out just like this. We're in the, uh, in my view, we're in the last, we're in the final days at this juncture. We're in the final days of the history of, of man and the history of the time of man and the day of man. It is the day of the Lord. So what happens from here? 
Now in chapter 12, we're going to, we're going to see, and it'll go for about two or three, maybe three chapters. I have to think about it. But we'll have, there'll be a review and the, re, the review will be from the perspective of reviewing the career of the Antichrist. So when we get past this, we'll go backwards a little bit and we'll see how things on earth worked under the, 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 the leadership of, of the Antichrist. And, and then boom, we're right back where we left off here. So this is, uh, this is an announcement, the seventh trumpet, which will give way to the seven bowls of wrath. And when that seventh bowl is poured out, it's over. That's it. The Lord Christ comes in power and glory with his saints and his angels. And although man is trying to kill each other, they finally make their way to Armageddon. And we will see that the earth dwellers, as I call them, will recognize that their common enemy is the returning Christ. And so as though they could defeat the armies of heaven, uh, they turn against the returning Christ. And we know, we know how that <laughs> works out at the Armageddon, at the battle of Armageddon. And then Christ sets up his kingdom. So here's what's happening. The final, the final details that will lead up to the attack on earth's kingdom, on the world's kingdom and the self-proclaimed ruler of that kingdom, Satan. The final plans are coming together here. Uh, and there are things we're going to see here. They're going, John will have visions of heaven and then he'll have visions of earth and a vision of heaven and a vision of earth. So while this is going on in heaven, this is what's happening on planet earth. We'll, we'll see that more, more as we get into the next chapter. Here, all of heaven knows, I mean, we've already picked out our white horse. We, we're already out there galloping around and maybe practicing getting in ranks. And, and uh, I don't know how you fight on a horse. I've never done that. But uh, we're tuning up for the invasion, which at this point may be just weeks away or even days away. It's hard, it's hard to determine the exact chronology, but you know that it moves quickly when, you, when, you, when, when, when we get into it. It just moves so quickly to the end of it. So we're well into the last half of the tribulation, the great tribulation here. And so now all of, all of heaven is saying, and I've told you that the day of grace for the Gentiles is over. Israel is being saved. All of Israel be saved. That's a, that we get from Zechariah. We're not going to, I don't, I, we'd be doing this forever if I took all the different parts of the scriptures and, and made a timeline out of it. But uh, the, the Jews are really under a lot of pressure, persecution. And Zechariah describes how the nation of Israel is saved, it begins with the individual. From individual 
to husband and wife, to family, the whole nation. And the promise has always been all of Israel will be saved. So when, uh, when Christ comes back, there are some of tribulation saints, especially among Israel, who are saved and they haven't died. And then there's a whole lot of earth dwellers, reprobates, who will be killed by the returning Lord and they, their souls will sink to Hades for a thousand years until they are raised in the second resurrection, the resurrection of damnation and cast into the lake of fire. So here, all of heaven, the great voices in heaven, exclaiming the great truth that at last, at last the kingdom of the world has become that of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign to the ages of the ages. So heaven is ready. All of heaven is ready to see this thing take place. But there's still some things with regard to the wrath falling on planet earth that will still be accomplished. Um, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like... Uh, I got to let me think of an analogy. I don't know. Uh, I, I remember, you know, back, was it in the 90s when uh, Desert Shield or whatever it was became Desert Storm and you could sit there and watch it play by play on TV. So we're in, we knew who was going to win that war. But where we are right here is we're in shock and awe. That's where we are right here. That's coming from heaven uh, to earth. Now, 24 elders, we've studied those. We know and we've seen from the scriptures that they, they are the representatives of the resurrected church. And I believe that each of us in the church of the Lord Jesus, according to what we read over in, back in Chronicles about the 24 orders of the priesthood. I believe we'll all have our turn at some point in time uh, seated there, but there are 24 to begin with here, sitting before God on their thrones and fell upon their faces and worshiped God saying, you know about what is it? About four or five times these guys fall on their faces. Tough guys. Um, and they say, we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty, the one being and who was. Now that's an interesting thing. It doesn't add the one who is to come. Because this is it. He is and he is. This is it. Uh, we've all, we, we, today we think of the coming Lord, but the one being would fit at this moment in time also the one who is to come because this is it. He not is to come anymore. This is it. That's the one who has been described all the way through the history of man. Now notice the word almighty. Almighty. Pantocrator. Um... 
That is the supreme power. That's uh, the word pan at the beginning of that. Greek word is, means all. So all powerful. As, as contrasted with Satan who is not. Never has been. So the great exclamation from the saints of God and the elect angels who haven't fallen in heaven at the last time give this great thanks via the voices of the 24 elders recognizing the almightiness of the Lord God. Everything is his. That... Uh, that scroll, the seven seals have been opened and on the front and the back it's revealed how the universe was lost, what was lost, and how it is redeemed, the price that is paid, the terms of redemption. And only the Christ of God could pay the price. That you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Now, at this point, we'll see it. We'll see it described later on. But at this point, you know, Satan has been dismissed from heaven, and there's no access. He's he's fallen to earth, and he's really scared and mad and everything else. All power then belongs to the Lord God. You have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged. When, uh, when reprobate, unbelieving people. They're just not of the elect. The more they are faced with the consequences of their sin, the more enraged they become. I would submit to you that at the great white throne, one by one, they'll be cast into the lake of fire, cursing and swearing against their creator. So, you know, we've, we've heard songs, oh, if, if they only had a little more time. Well, just forget that. That's not what the Bible says. They are enraged. There is nothing that keeps them from understanding the mess they're in. 144,000 have been preaching. The two witnesses preach in the last half of the... Of the uh, uh, of the tribulation and the great tribulation. And what the two witnesses do, it's very plain. They just know what the book of the Revelation says and what's coming next. And so they'll preach it. They're warning the world about what's to come next. And then it comes. And they warn the world about the next terrible thing. And then it comes. But they would not repent, the Bible says. They would not repent. Hardened like Pharaoh and, and his heart. Enraged that God would dare judge them in their sin. And the nations were enraged. 
and your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged. Boy, that's, that's pretty scary. The time for the dead to be judged, but not just that, and to give the reward to your servants. The, now he lists, uh, what, three, three categories here, and then he sort of describes them. It would be at this point, probably, and the reference, uh, the reference for the dead to be judged. Now, the wicked dead are judged at the end of the millennium at the great white throne. This judgment perhaps will include the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, which occurs at the end of that seven years of tribulation, because that ends the 77 year periods that the angel told Gabe, uh, that the angel Gabriel told Daniel were determined for the people of Israel. So this brings that to an end. Old Testament saints are resurrected, tribu tribulation saints resurrected. Probably along in here there is a there is a the time when in Matthew 25, you know the sheep and the goats. The Lord comes in Matthew 25 really is a, an overview of, of how the people responded in the time of the tribulation, especially how they responded to the people of the Lord and most specifically Israel in the time of the great tribulation. Because the Lord comes in Matthew 25 and he separates sheep and goats now, this is not a general resurrection. These are the people who are actually alive when Christ comes back and defeats his enemies at Armageddon, touches down, is about to establish his kingdom. And all of those who are still alive are made to stand before him. The sheep are on one side, the goats are on the other. The goats are about to be killed and put into Hades. The righteous, the sheep, will not die, but in their, in their bodies, in their human bodies, will go into the kingdom. That's the invitation that Christ gives them. He says, come into the kingdom that my Father has prepared for you. So you have people who are in their human bodies, and they go into the kingdom, and, and then over those thousand years, the king, those people, the curse, the curse, of death and physical death and the, and the curse on the animal kingdom and the curse of thorns and thistles, all of that is, is removed. Isaiah teaches us that. And the lion and the lamb lay down together and a child can reach into the hole of a poisonous snake nest and pull it up and play with it and it's not gonna hurt him because the curse of sin is removed and the tempter, Satan, is chained and bound for a thousand years. So... Christ says to those, enter into the kingdom. But to these, they're not allowed, they're, they're killed, they're put to death. They're put to death and then their final judgment comes, of course, at the, at the great white throne. And when he looks at his sheep, he said, uh, you know, he said, 
I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was, I was in prison and you visited me. And they say, and here's the Lord standing there. And they're like, how did you weren't, we didn't know. Jesus said, oh yeah. And he, he reveals something that people do. They secretly help each other so that they can secretly help the ones who are in prison for their faith or they're hungry and starving um, and, and they have no clothing, they're not warm. And Christ said, you did it for the least of my brethren and you did it to me when you did it to them. So that's, that's part of what Christ says in the judgment for those who are about to enter into the millennial kingdom. So this quite possibly is the time frame for that right here and then to give the reward to your servants. And here's how they're designated. Time for rewards. So the prophets. Now the prophets have a prophet's reward. That's even mentioned in the New Testament. So those who carry forth the great message of the king and the kingdom are prophets both testaments, and they are rewarded first. The saints, the saints probably is the freshly resurrected Old Testament saints. Now that's the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. But that seems to make sense in the context of everything that's said. And to those fearing your name, that's just, that's just everybody, you know, we fear his name, the small and the great. In other words, we're all on the same plane in the presence of Christ receiving rewards. Okay, what else does he do? And to destroy those who are destroying the earth. The earth at this moment is just being ripped apart. We've seen it. The earthquakes have caused the mountains to fall and the islands to disappear. The, uh, the volcanic ash and the nastiness that that has brought. The great fire that swept across and killed so many trees and the grasslands. And then, and then the, 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 the comet that came out of the sky and plunged into the earth and it turned the water into blood. All of the, I mean, it's just an ecological nightmare. It's, it's, it's indescribable. Why are those things happening? Because of sin. To destroy those who are destroying the earth. And the temple of God in heaven was opened. This is a great scene. Now you have to think about this. Saints from all the ages, saved by grace, sons of Abraham who heard the word of God and believed it and had it credited to them righteousness. So, all the saints of God now, and God opens the temple. Now we have seen bits and pieces of his temple, but we haven't seen anything like this. This thing is opened up, 
And the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. Now, you'll ask the question, well, is this, what was the ark of the covenant raptured or something at some point in time? Do you mean to say that Indiana Jones was wrong when he found that thing? I know this much. There is an ark of his covenant in heaven, in the temple. The temple is opened up so that everybody in heaven stands there in the presence of God. You know, the temple was always the, abi the, 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 the abiding place of God. The temple, that's where, the, in, in earth's temple, that's where, that's where they always pointed to as God's dwelling place. So this is, this is the presence of God. So many years and so for so long, only certain people could get so far. And then the, only the high priest once a year. It's not that way now. Why? Because he reveals the ark of his covenant to all of us. And here's what he says. You know what a covenant is? It's a promise. Here's what God says. You believe my word and I kept my word. My covenant has been true. My promise to you was real. And now all of the blessings and all of the wonders and glory and beauty that, have, that are provided because of my word to you will be yours to enjoy in any way at the fullest into the ages of the ages ad infinitum without any without ever any cessation. So now we're in the presence of God, the abode of God, and that's where we belong. And God knows it. He made it. He designed it that way. Meanwhile, on planet Earth, there were flashes of lightning, voices, and thunders, and an earthquake, and great hail. Now this is just this is just easy stuff right here compared to what's going to happen when the bowls are poured out. But it is the prelude to the finality of the end of God's wrath that falls on earth tearing the planet up killing the earth dwellers until the final massive slaughter when he comes at Armageddon in preparation for the establishment of his kingdom. They deserve nothing else but this. The great wrath of God finally in its finality, the end of it, falling on planet earth. Well, we'll stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.